Hello, and welcome to Movement, the Science of the Self. I'm your host, Ergi Pongo, and my calling is to explore movement and identity as they relate to body image and self-image. On this podcast, we share transformational stories from people in the field of movement science. We have conversations about healing and strengthening. Plus, we connect with people who have unique relationships with their bodies. If you're interested in discovering how movement science can impact your relationship with your body, we invite you to book a free consultation with Pongo Power Personal Training. Pongo Power will provide you with a complimentary movement analysis and goal setting session through understanding how our bodies move, our lives are transformed. Welcome to Movement, the Science of the Self. I'm Ergi Pongo, and I'm here today with a very special guest who I am super excited to welcome to the show. Ms. Jessica Delfino. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you. Hi, Ergie. It's awesome to be a guest on your show. It's been it's been a while. I know. I think the before times, I think we have not had an opportunity to communicate and connect since since the yeah, since the world went crazy. Yeah. And so before we get into our conversation about movement and discovering ourselves and our identity through movement and being physical human beings, uh, I just want to share with the audience a little bit about how we met. I think we met in 2002, Jessica. Oh, two. Good year. Yeah. 20 years ago, 20 years ago, roughly. And, um, you know, Ago. Many lifetimes. We were both performing, although I was not performing actually. I was coming to your show, your stand up comedy show. Mm. And, and uh, that was in the East Village, right? In New York yes. City. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I what, used to hang around there a lot and perform in the East Village. Yeah, that was one of my stomping grounds. And then we became friends. And I will never forget the image of you riding to your wedding to the beach on a actual unicorn. Yes, you were you were at my wedding. That's true. Yeah. What inspired you to ride a unicorn to meet your man at the altar? Who wouldn't want to ride a unicorn to their wedding? Uh, <laughs> it just struck me as like a you know at the time I didn't have a ton of money you know and I wanted to do something that was fun and and unique and different and something that would be special and and inexpensive and believe it or not it's not terribly expensive to recreate a unicorn and uh, so I, I just had to find someone who was silly hearted enough to let me put a horn on their horse and I found somebody and. You know, it was, it was just a nice addition to the day, you know, it was a special day and I thought it would be like a fun thing to, to treat my friends and family to, to get to interact with, you know, a unicorn. And it was at a time when Instagram was just starting to kind of pop. So I thought, well, this will be fun. You know, everyone can take pictures and, and actually I got a lot of people to start Instagram accounts with my <laughs> with I, I like a few people are like, I hadn't even heard of Instagram, you know, and now they're people, they're still on there. They're still posting pictures every day. Yeah. And I think that in terms of movement, you know, the stunning part of being a performance artist 
is that you are in motion, like you're living out mm-hmm. the, the expression of yourself. And so I will forevermore equate you with magic. And <laughs> in fact, you have a song named My Pussy is Magic. It's true. Another physical, you know, uh, (laughs) manifestation of self-discovery. What prompted you to write that song? Well, you know, I was born in the seventies and, um, in, in like the later part of the seventies and, and magic was a really big part of that decade, or at least when I was a child, that was something that I connected to. It was a big part of it for me. There were a lot of cartoons on TV about magic and people with magical powers and He-Man and She-Ra and, um, you know, people who could grow and shrink. And, and I, I just always kind of connect, even the, the songs on the radio, you know, were about like the things that, that stuck to me for whatever reason, magic, the idea of being magical, of being able to do things that were superhuman, Mm-hmm. That was something that really connected with me and has stayed with me to this day. You know, I'm still probably trying to achieve things that are somewhat superhuman in a way, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I guess we all probably are maybe in our, our own ways, but I think that, uh, that being, um, you know, having, and, and also I'm the oldest of six girls and I've always had this kind of interest in, in, in the, the magic or the power that women possess and what makes us be able to, you know, do things and get so much done. I I really think that, you know, women are are very, women get a lot of stuff done. I mean, we, we really uh, are very creative and busy all the time. And life does spring out of our vagina. Like there is a human that comes out I don't want to like take too much credit here, but we basically create the whole species, you know, and like keep them going and raise them and feed them. And I mean, you know, we, we do a lot. So yeah, and certainly we couldn't do it without our counterparts, our amazing partners. And <laughs> we still, <laughs> I mean, I know for me, I'm a, I'm a kinder, gentler person having a partner in my life who I'm attached to and I can trust. <laughs> Gentlemen, definitely. Um, they definitely support and serve a, a good purpose. They can certain, certain ones definitely can. I, yeah. I, I really like my, my partner. I, I picked a good one, but, you know? Yeah. You know, I love responsible for a lot of, a lot of stuff. Let's not take it there. Yes. Um, men, men are wonderful. I love, love men, love certain, a lot of men, certain men. Yes. I mean, we are living in a really exciting time in human history. You know, we have our first uh, woman of color, vice president of the United States. Yes. And, and uh, we are mom. Yes. First mom VP. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, there's certainly in the past has always been this sense that because we have children, we're somehow at a disadvantage, like we might leave the workplace. Mm -hmm. And, but I think that it's clear that every human being has their own strengths and um, women are really establishing that, you know, more and more. Yeah. I mean, it, the statistics are really crazy in terms of how many women do leave the workforce in order to be able to raise children. And it's because a lot of the times you do have to cho- choose, you know, your choice is do, do I, do I, can I afford childcare? 
Do I want to take this entire paycheck that I make and pay for childcare? Or will I do that work myself? And and some mothers choose to to do the to do that themselves. You know, it seems almost in a way counterproductive to go out and work and make all this money and then just pay someone else to basically do what so a job that you you could do, you know, you, that you could do yourself. Uh, that's a that's kind of a, a tricky place to be as a mom. And some mothers say, you know what, I'd rather give my paycheck to someone else because that will allow me to, you know, have more sanity or the time away from the house that I spend is, you know, is positive for my mental well-being and, and et cetera. So, or, or I need to keep those skills up, you know, that I spent thousands and thousands of dollars to gain in school, you know? So there are a lot of reasons why a parent might choose to do that. Now you are a mother and you are the host of the mom report on the radio and the Poconos. On WABT 96.7 FM every Monday morning at seven. It's very exciting. And also listen to it online, by the way. It's so it's like, you know, it's not just for people who live here. You can listen to it anywhere. The power of the internet. It's amazing. Technology is fantastic. Yeah. Now, in terms of, you know, being a human being who inhabits a human body and also is creating a human body, uh, you, you're sort of moving to this level of mother of two. But before we get to the, your present moment in life, I'd love to know, as a child, who did you identify as? If you know, you think of the intersection between your self image mm-hmm. and your body image mm-hmm. and how like being a person in the world, when we move around, we discover ourselves. Mm-hmm. How did you identify as a child? You know, it's interesting because I thought about that a little bit. Um, and I remember as a child, I wasn't completely aware of my, of like my body you know, I was almost disembodied in a sense. Um, because you, well, at least I didn't have in total physical self-awareness of like, you know, you're still kind of figuring out what your hands and what your feet and what your limbs are capable of doing. And, um, I remember being little and just seeing out, you know, and, and wherever I went, you know, that's where my little body would go, you know, wherever my little brain took me. And I remember uh, I did have chicken pox when I was very young, like four. And that to me was, I think, one of the first kind of connections I had with my body where I was like, oh, there's like, there's itching, there's pain, there's discomfort. You know, I can, I can kind of really feel this sense, you know, that was probably around like age four or five. Mm-hmm. So, so I had a, a beautiful, joyous, like four to five years of just kind of like utter freedom where I was almost like a like, like the wind or something, you know? Yeah. Just a force of nature. One of the elements, earth, air, fire. Connected to my physical body. And I was like, Oh, I have this, this body, you know, there's, there's something here. So that, that was, you know, and I remember I, I also, I was musical. I played the piano, you know, so there, we had a piano. I, I, I didn't take lessons or anything. There just, there happened to be a piano in the living room. So I would, you know, touch it. And I remember, you know, my putting my hands down and feeling like the, the weighted feeling of the piano keys and, mm-hmm. and the sense of touching them, how they, how they felt they were cold, you know, they were always cold. They were actually ivory. 
It was an ivory key piano. And, um, you know, kind of having that connection of like, my mind is telling my hand to press on the piano key and then it makes the notes, you know? So now as an adult, looking back though, I imagine I must've been a wild kid. I, I know I must've been. Cause I remember like, I remember thrashing and biting and, you know, running like when we went and hiding, you know, like whenever we would go to the mall or whatever, I would hide and you know, petrify my mom. She wouldn't be able to find me. And I thought it was so funny. I you know, get such a kick out of that. <laughs> I remember hiding in the clothing rack, like, like oh, getting yeah. into the center of it. It was this magical yeah. little world in there. Yeah. It was, and it was so cool. Cause you were like, it was like a special little cave, like a closed cave, you know? Totally. <laughs> so then as you got older, you know, eventually you realize you're a uh, more of a, I don't know, a, a, a form, a human form. Yeah. You start to have that more of a connection with your physical body. So, yeah. it, so what happened in like, you know, the first time you realized you're totally separate from your parents, you're completely on your own and you're, you actually are responsible for a body and being a person in the world. Well, I had a, a, a little bit of an unusual ordeal in that I, I left home when I was 15. And so, and, and I really never went home after that. I mean, I, I went home like to, to visit and stuff, but I didn't really live at home again after I left. I did in short stints. Um, so I left when I was 15 and I lived with like, you know, my boyfriend at the time and stuff like that and his family basically. But, um, when I got to be older, like in, you know, college or or whatnot, when I didn't have anyone, you know, else really to rely on. And I was kind of by myself. I did still have roommates, but, um, I think that there was definitely this, uh, well, there was a fear, you know, there was like, I remember there being like a real fear of, um, of like where I, I didn't know how to talk to people. That was a really huge thing. I didn't know how to interact with people physically for some reason, it's just not a skill I ever really picked up. So all through my high school years, my, my elementary years, you know, I mean, me and my friends would goof off, you know, and talk and I had my little circles, but when it came to talking to people outside of my comfort zone, I would just kind of almost like freeze up or something. I didn't really know how to, like, I felt so self-conscious, like it was almost like I was talking like a different language or something, or, you know, and that happened for a long time. And that was one of the reasons I started performing comedy, actually. Really? That was one of the motivators to get on stage? Yeah. Yeah. So I was so awkward and so uncomfortable. And I mean, really, you know, I, I had seen comedy. I'd seen people doing comedy and, and performing on TV. And I was like, these people are magicians. They're amazing. They just pull these magical words out of their head. And it, it makes perfect sense. And it's hilarious and smart. And it, this is amazing. These people are bonafide wizards, you know? And then I met a comedian actually in the park and we had this conversation and I said to him, I, I really would love to do this. And he was like, well, you can't cause you're a girl. You know, he was very funny, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, but I did, you know, I remember going to try out like a couple open mics and stuff like that. And I was just, I felt so scared and so awkward. And I remember being like, you know, I gotta, 
I got to get over this because if I don't, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to have a a productive and a good life. Like I'm always, it's going to hold me back from the things I want to do if I can't connect with people, you know? So I started going to Harlem because in my head, in my mind, coming from Caucasian Maine, completely white, you know, no, nothing. I remember I would go to the, to the, like the show it in at the Boston comedy club and I would try to do comedy and people would yell at you. If you, know, if you weren't funny, they'd, they'd be like, get off the stage. You stink, you know, you boo, whatever. They just like yell shit out. And it was, it was so intimidating and scary to me to have people do that. I remember being like, Oh, you know, like getting off stage and like crying afterwards and just being like, feeling like I was like, almost like physically assaulted, you know? So I was like, I'm going to start going to Harlem because obviously I have some kind of issue or concern with people yelling at me. And I noticed that it was often in the audience, it tended to be, you know, like a lot of people of color would be the people who would like be very interactive with the comedian so I was like, I'm going to go to Harlem and I'm going to start doing the open mics up, up there. And I'm going to get to a point where I'm feeling very comfortable interacting with people yelling stuff at me. Um, and then I'm going to bring that energy back downtown and see if I can. And, and I, and I was able to actually, you know, get to a point where I, I, I felt my, now, you know, really anybody can say anything to me and it just, it just kind of bounces right off me. I mean, there, there are some things, sometimes people say something and I'll, I'll stew over it for a day or two, you know, I'll be like, what they mean? Why, why? but I don't, I, it, it doesn't like make me cry. You know what I mean? It doesn't derail me for, for a day. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, you, you can reflect on it and you have a sense of your own identity such that your identity is not directly impacted by something somebody says to you but rather you can reflect on it and then respond or process your feelings in some other way. I used to take things really personally. And, um, you know, now I, I still kind of take things personally, but I also assume that there are some other things going on as well. Sure. And it's natural to take things personally. I think that, um, as adults, you know, who are role models for other people, we also, yeah. we also want to physically behave in a way where we create a sense of safety. Mm-hmm. And I think as we get older, we realize the importance of creating safety for other people. So there's that too. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying don't process your feelings and cry. Go ahead and cry. If you need a good cry, please cry. <laughs> I don't cry as much as I used to. You know, I, I used to cry at the drop of a hat. How do you put your sense of freedom and self-discovery into practice now? Like, what are you up to physically these days? Well, physically, I still get on stage. Getting on stage is still an important part of my life. I don't get to do it as much as I used to um, because I have a child now, he's five, and I am responsible for, you know, working and taking care of him. And, you know, I have family responsibilities, but writing is a really important part of my my, uh, my day, you know, I spend a lot of time writing. Um, I spend a lot of time reading, um, taking in information. I'm, I'm an, I'm an, I'm obsessed with information. I really love to, um, 
you know, I love Google searching things. It sounds like I have a lot of free time, right? I just sit around Googling things all day. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I do obsess over information and, um, and here in the, in, you know, I've been splitting my time, you know, partially between New York and, and Pennsylvania. And there's a lot of open space in Pennsylvania. In New York, I rode my bike everywhere. That was how I got around and how I did everything. And then I took the subway. If I had to go further then I could ride my bike, but here in PA, I have a car, you know, when I'm in PA, I drive a car and, and I, I do, I've had to like really look for ways to be physical So I have a lot of hiking trails that I like to go on. I have a lot of areas where I like to walk and I have, I make it a part of my day every day to go on like a good 30 to 40 minute walk. Yeah. Something I do physically every day. Um, I don't get to ride my bike anymore though. I do miss that. (laughs) And you are about to have another baby. It's true. So you are creating another human life. And how do you feel about that, Jess? Well, you know, I tried for a couple of years and it didn't, it didn't work out. And I said to myself, well, you know, I'm going to have sex, whether I get pregnant or not. So I might as well just keep trying. And I did. And eventually it worked out, you know, and I, I remember saying to myself, you know, I'm not really an IVF kind of a person. I'm, I'm not, a, I, I don't want to spend the money on it. I don't want to give myself shots every day. I'm just, that's not who I am or what I want to do. So if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And, and it so happened that it happened. Congratulations. So, thank you. So now I'm, I'm seven months along. It's, it's getting, you know, close. I didn't even believe it was real really, you know, to like a few months ago. Cause there's the first three months where you're kind of like, eh, we'll see what happens, you know? But, um, so here we are on the other side of all that. And now I'm like, okay, it's, it's almost take countdown time. You know, it's, it's getting, it's coming. So there's a lot of preparation just in terms of like, you want to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with positive energy and in positive environments. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to watch things that are too psychically draining or, you know, my husband will be like, Oh, let's watch this like thrasher movie. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do it, man. I gotta, gotta keep the brain and the spirit like positive, you know, positive energy coming in, going out. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of that just like monitoring, you know, what, what the ex- exterior of my world is so I can manage it, if that makes sense, in a way that I never used to. When I was younger, I was really very drawn to like a darker element of life. You know, what's that all about? Well, it's, I remember when oh, a couple of years ago, I read this, it was like a true crime story and it was so psychically just, just damaging to me to read it. I remember it was like something had changed at that point where I was like, I don't, I don't want or need this anymore. I don't need to read about this stuff anymore. It is titillating. I'll admit that, but it leaves an imprint on me that I don't want. Mm-hmm. It'll sneak into my thoughts, you know, as I'm trying to fall asleep or something or, or while I'm driving down the road and I'm like, I don't want to think about that guy. You know what I mean? Like, mm. what? I mean, I think in terms of our lives, we are always cultivating different little portals that we can go through as we become conscious and and we awaken to possibilities. And if we really have to be responsible for what it is we want to create in our reality and what we want to surround ourselves with. I don't think a lot of people really realize that. They can't. I, I think a lot of people don't realize it's a choice. I think a lot of people feel this is it. My life is this because I was born this way. Mm -hmm. 
And I just want to empower people and share with everyone. You do have a choice. Everyone has a choice. I mean, there are some things that are definitely outside of your choice. You know, like if you, if sometimes things happen and and they, they happen, you know, they happen to us and there's nothing we can do. I didn't want to have a C-section. That's, that's the way it went for me, you know, with the first pregnancy I had, but there, there are things that we definitely do have choices about and, and, and so, so many more than, than even than I thought, you know, and when things go right, when I take a chance and, and would like something to happen in a certain way and it works out, it just gives you more fuel to try it again and to try bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I definitely think that, that, uh, you can make really cool things happen if you, if you're willing to take the chance. Yeah. And it has, that's where it all starts. A willingness. Yeah. Well, Jess, you've and always plan. been, go ahead. And a plan, you know, putting a plan into into effect. Yeah. I think that that even the planning stage though, like so much of learning is pre-cognitive learning where you're thinking about thinking and, (laughs) and a plan can seem really intimidating, but yeah, like it's by by plan. It doesn't, it doesn't mean like you have to sit down with like blueprint paper and, you know, I mean, it can be as simple as just like a list of people you'd like to call, you know, or, or a I don't know, like a, just an idea in your head that you ruminate on and and it slowly grows, you know, because I really do believe that even when we, when we put an idea out into the world, you have to be careful about the things you say, because now not only is like Siri listening to everything that we say and sending you targeted advertisements about it, but I believe when you say something, you really can give birth to an idea you know, so, so I really am very careful about now, even the things that I say, sometimes my husband will say something wrong and, and I'll say, Shh, don't even say that, you know, we don't even want to make that be a thing that could happen, you know? So I think that's another thing that's so incredible about this particular point of human history, because we have the power to speak things into existence. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the 1950s, there was so much repression where we don't talk about that. Oh, and yeah. so then there's that level of accountability and responsibility. Like okay. how, who do you share things with and who do you trust in order to be vulnerable or what have you? It's a, it's a, it's a dance. We are all in a dance together. We're all all dancing in one way or another. Even if you're not physically dancing, there's still a dance. Jessica, thank you so much for being on the show today. This was truly a delight. Yes. Thank you for having me. We always have good conversations, you and me. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to checking out the mom report on the radio and online. 96.7 96.7 FM, um, nine, it's Pocono967.com. And uh, I hope that maybe you'll even contribute some stuff to the show at some point. That would be fabulous. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you for tuning into the show and listening. If you're interested in understanding how your body moves, Pongo Power offers a complimentary fitness assessment and goal setting session. This 55-minute appointment is completely free, and you can do it through the magic of Zoom in the comfort of your own home. Just book online by heading over to freefitnessassessment.pongopower.com. I've been a personal trainer for 20 years, and I've helped hundreds of humans to gain true physical and mental strength. 
You can learn more about our team of personal trainers on our website, pongopower.com. When we learn how to exercise safely and effectively, we experience true freedom. On Movement, the Science of the Self, we provide you with the inspiration you need to move your body as you cultivate your own sense of identity. In joining the conversation about how we identify ourselves, Pongo Power is committed to the empowerment of each individual's right to choose. Now go out there and get some movement.